Okay. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast this week. We are so excited to have Rebecca Weirman. Rebecca Weirman is here with us today to talk about sound healing. And I met Rebecca through my Pilates and yoga studio here in Monterey, Ohm Studios. Um, I went to a studio, like collective-wide crystal sound healing that she did Um I think it was back in October or November, and it was my first experience doing a um, healing sound bath, and it was incredible. And I, after I left, I immediately went and booked with Rebecca. And so now I'm so excited to have her on, and she can share with our listeners about all of the cool things that she's doing. So welcome, Rebecca. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. And can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and how you became a sound healer? Absolutely. So my journey with sound and vibration began long before I had any sort of instrument, long before I had crystal singing bowls or gongs or drums. My sound healing journey began because I live with what used to be debilitating ADHD. And with that came this hypersensitivity to sound where I would be working on something And all of a sudden, my attention or focus would shift to whatever sound or vibration would fill the room. So I remember sitting, taking the uh, LSAT to get into law school, and all of a sudden, awful construction started. And I just sat there freaking out. And I put down my pen and I was like, I'm not going to law school. I can't can't do this because I was so hyper-focused on the sound around me. Years before that, even when I was school, I would have to listen to music in order to focus, in order to really immerse myself in something. But if there was one sound that was out of place, it was debilitating. So I had to use sound to move through struggles and problems that I experienced with sound. So as I grew more curious in that regard, I started experimenting with crystal singing bowls as a way to take control of my own healing. And that's when I really started to immerse myself in the world of sound and vibration healing as I do it today. So with crystal singing bowls, gongs, drums, I studied one-on-one with this fantastic woman. Her name's Karen Renee Robb. And we worked with the drum as a portal for activating your voice and using it as a tool of resonance so you can actually listen to what is happening around you. And from there, I fell in love with the gong and I did a gong training with gong master Don Conroe, incredible gong master. And the gong is just such an incredible instrument. And then, of course, crystal singing bowls, which are my tried and true first love uh, type of instrument. And now, Having ADHD, uh, I'm able to manage it just by using sound and vibration and some other meditative uh, tools in my toolkit. But it has been such an incredible journey to take something that has been so harmful in my life or so triggering for me and to turn it into my greatest tool, a gift that I get to share with other people every single day. That is so interesting, especially because I think I've shared this with you before that I also have ADHD. So I totally understand how debilitating it can be when there is some kind of like sensory experience that's just throwing everything off. And it is so interesting how the same sensory experience can also be beneficial. Like they, I think there's a lot of research about binaural beats and how that can assist with things like that. And it's so interesting how just slight manipulations or finding like the right tool to use can really make such a difference in how our brain is operating. Big time, Mm -hmm. big time. And binaural beats are the the sound tool that really got me immersed in the world of sound and vibration. They're the things that I was like, oh, something's happening here and I haven't gotten distracted for three hours. It's pretty incredible. Wow. Yeah, it really is your gift because you did have that attunement to sound and vibration. You were so aware of it where others weren't. And so then to kind of go on the journey of all of its benefits, super incredible. Thank you for sharing all that. Oh, of course. Uh, Yeah. 
Can you tell us a little bit about the history behind sound healing? Yes. Sound and vibration healing is not something that's new. We definitely see it as something that could be new because the way that it shows up on social media and the internet, but sound healing goes back 30,000 BCE to the ancient aboriginals. We can look back at sound and vibration, ancient Egypt, 3100 BCE, or to Siddha medicine and Ayurveda, which is like, what, 3000 BCE? Sound is ancient and it has been used in a healing capacity, in ritual, in well-being, in ceremony for thousands and thousands of years. So we can look back at the ancient aboriginals and we can see the use of uh, vocal toning. We can see the use of didgeridoos, which are some of the most powerful, potent, and high vibrational instruments with that low resonant tone. Very difficult to play if you're not great with circular breath and breathing. Um, and it takes it can it can take a lot out of you, uh, but highly healing instruments. Uh, and then sound has really started to progress uh, now in this day and age, where we're merging this ancient wisdom with modern day science. So there's now science to support the healing that sound has been capable of, or that sound has shared or experienced with other people, there's now scientific evidence to support uh, the ancient. So if we look at frequency, we have all these different frequencies that are around us. And using a, a law in physics known as the law of entrainment, that is how sound and vibration begins to work with us. So that's the science that supports uh, the ancient sound and vibration healing. Can you tell us what that law entails? Yeah, absolutely. The law of entrainment was discovered by a Dutch physicist, and he discovered it when he had two pendulum clocks next to each other, and they started, they were not syncing at first, but then they started syncing over time. And this was like in 1664, something like that. And the law of entrainment, by definition, is when two oscillating forces assume the same speed, the same frequency. So if we were to translate that to sound and vibration, we're taking our human body, our physical form, our energy, our spirit, and we are using instruments around us to harmonize to assume the same speed, to assume the same frequency, meaning we're using instruments to tune the physical body, the vibrational fields, uh, the spiritual energy. And this is all happening because sound is a transverse mechanical wave, meaning it needs a medium to travel through. And that medium would be a liquid, solid, or a gas. And because the human body is 70 to 90% fluid, it's the perfect medium for sound and vibrational healing. And I think I might have said a transverse mechanical wave. I meant to say it's a mechanical wave. Uh, light is a transverse wave. And that's something that can travel through space and time. Sound needs to travel uh, through a medium. And in that, there's a big distinction and difference because of the way sound travels as to what is the most effective experience when working with sound and vibration healing. So something I always like to share with people is that in order to have the most efficacious healing experience with sound and vibration, you want to do it in person, whether that be with a practitioner, private, whether that be in a group setting, or whether that's having your own instruments and using it, uh, versus listening to a sound meditation, which are so powerful and so helpful. But what's really happening is you're really just working with like the mind and slowing down the mind in that state. I come back to this analogy of there's a reason why we listen to music on Spotify or a streaming service. And then there's a reason why we go to a concert. Sure, when we listen to music on Spotify, we're able to dance and have a great time. But when you're at a concert, you can't help but move. 
you can't help but feel the music, feel the vibration. And that's where the greatest change is happening. Mm, interesting. Interesting. But there is that difference. Huge. Between, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And it's even different in a, and I'm sure you can speak to this too. It's different in a private setting. It's different in a group setting. It's different in a couple's setting. They all have different energies and frequencies that come along with that to where a private one-on-one -on -one session is where you are having the deepest, most profound experience because it is tailored to your needs and what you need. Whereas a group, you're working with that collective energy. And then couple sessions are so interesting because two people go in with different intentions or sometimes a similar shared intention. And most of the time they have the exact same experience. They drift off into some sort of la-la land or wherever they go. And that doesn't happen in other situations. But in the couple sessions, it does. It's magic. That's so interesting. Do people do a couple session? Like, is it almost like couples therapy of if they're like trying to work through something? Or is it a way to just become closer or what? Or maybe... Yeah different intentions? Yes. And right. A lot of people will do it to move through things. Um, but it's also just not limited to a, our traditional couples, right? It could be a mother daughter. Those experiences I love to facilitate because there's always something that needs to, you know, be tapped into or, or tuned into, and it creates space for deep healing. And then there's also just people who who come in together who want to just share an experience because maybe it's cheaper to have a a couple session rather than a one-on-one. -on -one. And that might be the the number one reasoning behind it. But what always emerges is something else that needed to come through. And so I don't take those by chance at all. Like those, there's a reason why everyone books a couple session together, whether they know the reasoning or not. Yeah, that's so interesting, especially because I have done the one-on-one -on -one sessions mm -hmm. and the group sessions, and they are so very different. Yeah. So yeah, I feel like doing it with one other person would be really, really interesting to see what comes up. Absolutely. Yeah. And so my next question for you, how does sound affect our body, mind, and soul? Mm, that is such a good question because number one, it hits on all those different levels. So let's start with the body. Sound and vibration, especially when we're using like a deep resonance instrument, like a drum or a gong, physically in the body, it's working on a cellular level to cleanse and clear. So we're using these heavier instruments to shake things up within the body so you can let go. So after or during even, you may feel shaky. You may feel um, the urge to urinate after you need to keep the body hydrated. So on a physical level, we are moving things. We're shaking things up so they can go. That also goes hand in hand into what's happening on an energetic level. And then on a spiritual level, well, I guess they all really all go hand in hand. On a spiritual and physical level, I would say what's happening in the mind is we're going from our beta brainwave state, which is our alert, our focused mind, probably where we are all right now because we're actively listening into a state of alpha which is when we start to slow down and relax, maybe where we are when we take a few mindful breaths and begin to meditate. And then we move into the theta brainwave state. And in the theta is when we start to enter into this hypogaphic state of consciousness. So neither here nor there, not awake or asleep. Sometimes it feels like you're in this state for five minutes, but you've really been in it for an hour, an hour and a half, whatever it may be. And it's in that state where we are entering into our subconscious state of being, where our subconscious comes through, it starts to talk to us, to communicate with us. And in that, we begin reprocessing and reprogramming. Now, what makes it even better, and we get like this little added bonus, is sound is creating a bilateral frequency or a bilateral movement within the eyes. 
um, within the body. So as you're in that theta brainwave state, we're having a very similar effect bilaterally as to what is happening in, say, an EMDR therapy therapy session. And you could go in with an intention to create space for something you had moved through. Maybe it's something traumatic, something you want to reprogram. The sound and vibration will take you there, take you into that theta brainwave state. And then you're sitting with the feelings you're experiencing in the body. You're sitting with what's coming up because you have no other choice than to listen and to be in that state of being. And your eyes are going and you're in that state of reprogramming. So on a physical level, you're moving energy, you're letting go, you're surrendering, you're giving yourself space to listen. On an energetic level, the same thing is happening. And then on a spiritual level, you're tuning into that divine self within, you're tuning into your higher and higher, your like your highest self, your higher state of being, the the part of you that knows that you are divine. So it's very grounded and there's science to back it up, but then it also creates space for so much like heavenly goodness to feel connected to yourself in ways that we so often disconnect from ourselves. I'm learning so much from you. And I've had limited experience with sound healing. Like I've done a lot of the YouTube videos. I think it's like Thomas Hall who will do like, he has one for everything you could possibly want to like work on. So I used to listen to those a lot, but now I'm realizing, you know, the in-person benefits, they seem so strong. And like, just from my own experience, this is a whole nother topic, but I had like a very um, traumatic experience with plant mm-hmm. medicine. And this to me sounds like another way to maybe like unlock some of the benefits that people are looking for when, when they maybe dive into something like plant medicine. So I'm looking at this and I'm like, oh, this could, sounds like a really good option, like for me or for somebody who might not want to take that route. Is, is, am I kind of correct to say there, it's almost similar? Like, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, if we look at plant medicine and the ceremonial use of plant medicines, like specifically in ceremony, take ayahuasca, for example. Yes, grandmother ayahuasca is so powerful and potent and she's going to take you where you need to go, but she's being guided by the ikaros that are being sung and the music that is used in ceremony to to take you to where you need to go and what you need to work through. So the plant medicine is working with the music um, and the music and the plant medicine are working with you. That being said, you can take the plant medicine out of the equation and still have these really profound experiences because your subconscious is holding on to every little thing you have experienced since you were born, since you came out of the womb and you had that first imprint of conditioning. And we have created these stories and narratives around our experiences. So when we have a chance to close our eyes, to open our ears, to listen beyond what we can actually hear externally and turn our awareness inward, we can create new narratives for our projections, for our conditionings, for the life we have lived. And that's what plant medicine is doing. We are creating new neural pathways. We are writing a new story or rewriting our story so we can show up better for ourselves. So we can absolutely substitute a sound and vibration session for plant medicine therapies and they can work beautifully in tandem. I was going to say, honestly, my first experience when we did like the group Mm -hmm healing session, I remember thinking and like comparing it almost to um, like an experience with plant medicine that I had had before, but not the exact same. Like it was still very different, but then a lot of things that were coming up were were like similar things that I was thinking about were things that were similar to that. Um, And another thing is it's very, I think, comforting to know that there is someone who is leading it if you're doing a session with a practitioner like yourself um 
I think for me, at least that that kind of makes me feel a little bit more grounded because it's not like, okay, I'm just going to, you know, what, you know, my consciousness or whatever isn't just going to take me somewhere that I'm not ready to go yet because there's someone who's facilitating and it's just kind of comforting, at least to me as someone who has anxiety with that too. I don't know if that's other people's experience too, but I know that that's like comforting that there's a practitioner who is very knowledgeable and is able to be there with you during that experience. And that's why it's so important to work with a knowledgeable sound and vibration practitioner, because it's way more than just playing some instruments. You know, there are, and and no disrespect to these people, because everyone needs to start somewhere on this journey, but you don't just go buy bowls randomly off a website and all of a sudden become a sound healer. You need to understand the frequency and how that's working with the person receiving. And that's why one-on-one work is is very important um, because you never know what you're gonna get when you're working in a group, maybe in a studio. Um, there's just, I think, more room for, for error and less intentionally crafted experiences. And, you know, I think about that that sound healing that that you came to at the studio. I mean, I sat for hours constructing and crafting this live sound experiment experience, but I also interwove these spoken word pieces at certain points within the journey, knowing that people would be tuned in at these different levels of consciousness and these like spoken word parts being able to rest on people's awareness at the right time to make them go deeper or to give them something to prompt. So when working in a group, you have to be able to manage that energy. Um, And it's a lot more difficult than working with someone one-on-one so it's just you have to work with someone who's who's experienced and that's why you have to vet the the sound practitioner you're working with like anything. Yeah, that's super important. I think I'm realizing that more as I, you know, have been to different practitioners and done I've tried different things. It is really important like who's there supporting you and who's in the space with you and everything. I think that's super crucial and that's a good message to put out there. Yeah. So how can sound healing benefit people? On a super basic level, it allows you to listen. We spend so much time saying that we're listening to people, but what do we do? We interrupt them. We cut them off in conversation. We're so quick to share our thoughts and opinions uh, rather than just listening to what someone has to say. And fundamentally, Sound healing provides you with a space to listen more consciously. That's number one. That's the first change you will see once you start to work with sound and vibration. Um, Then the benefits from there just begin to grow and expand. It helps you tune into your intuition. You, so many people have never had the space to feel safe enough to tune into what they know to be true, what they feel is right for them sound, you have no option but to listen and to be in that space. And that can be scary for some, but it is so warm and welcoming once you honor it. Then if you're working through some sort of physical ailment or dis-ease, sound can help with that. You know, it's not the the solution or the answer. It's just another tool. So like having ADHD it helps me being extremely hypersensitive to sound. It can help people come to a place of homeostasis and find balance in their body and in their being. People release layers of trauma. The body may start to shake or release in a session and that's just energy moving. So there's so many benefits to sound and vibration. I mean, after a session, there's this overall feeling of just general well-being. People usually sleep so well after. Um, your body is in this state of like blissful awareness. Uh, there's so many things I could continue saying about it, but 
on so many different levels, it's beneficial. Um, and if you're navigating something, just ask the practitioner, like, is this something sound and vibration can help with? So I'm making all these connections over here. Yeah. My first, and you kind of touched on it, you said that you mentioned, or you will embed words into your, I'm going to call it a set. I don't know. I'm just thinking of music. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not one thing about sound and vibration healing. It's not music. And I will like, Mm. I will tell that to people all the time. There's, there are amazing sound practitioners like East Forest, Moe, Sam Garrett, they're musicians and Mm -hmm. they use sound as a, as a tool they're 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 creating music. They're not doing sound and vibration healing. And I think Esty can also attest to the fact that what I do doesn't sound like music at all. Thank you for clearing up that misconception for me. So um, but yeah, I was just thinking about like the words and how like words hold a vibration and affirmations are super important. And that's been something that I've used a lot in my journey. And I just wanted to know like the way that people talk about like words being a vibration in the words you speak and the words you you think, is it similar? Can we think of to like the vibration of sound or are they different because they're like entities, words? Well, everything is vibration, right? So I think it's one and the same. The way like if you, I say, oh gosh, there's actually a perfect example of this. There is a water experiment that was done by Dr. Um, Emoto, and it was the hidden messages of water. And what he did was play different music and say different words to water and look at it underneath a microscope or tell it or some sort of like super, super focused microscope to it. Look at how the water structure changed. And so when there was negative vibration, or the energy of grief, anger, sadness, something that the human mind would label as negative, the water structure changed into this really like discordant, um, not really visually appealing pattern. When frequency of high vibration, positive affirmation, words that the human mind would label as positive, the water took on this beautiful fractalized pattern that was infinite, repeating, constant. So when you're making this correlation between, you know, the frequency of sound and the vibration of our words and what we say, that's where my mind goes as to they're one in the same because the foundation of our universe is vibration what you're saying, what you're hearing, it's all influencing and affecting your state of being. That's really interesting because when you think of words, like obviously words only have meaning if you know what the word means and you live within our the society that speaks the language that you speak. And it's like interesting because that either shows that water is so influenced by its society that it itself learns the meaning of like negative versus positive words, or it means that like words themselves carry like an entity carry a vibration that impact whether you know the meaning or not you know what I mean super interesting you're blowing my mind that is actually so cool you I could go down a rabbit hole with this right (laughs) oh my like like oh oh my goodness yes (laughs) yeah it's it's crazy it's so funny you guys I have to share this story it's just a funny tidbit my brother and his friends like back in middle school did a experiment with two plants where they spoke kind words to one and mean words to the other. And it was just like, it was just funny, like teenage or pre-teenage boys, you know, spewing hateful words at a plant. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> I think their project showed that the one with the positive words grew more vastly and more healthily. It's amazing. So- it's so funny you say that too, because when um, like I'm with my family and like one of the plants isn't doing well, my mom and I will whisper when we talk about the plant so the plant doesn't hear us. We're like, oh, she's not doing so well. And like when they are, we're like, oh my gosh, that one is so beautiful. Yeah. So we don't want the plants to hear us. <laughs> I think that was an official study too, right? Because when you were talking about the water study, I was thinking of the plants and then 
Izzy, your brother, that's so funny that he did that in middle school. But I think that is a thing that that it, plans have been shown to like respond yeah. to that. And it's interesting, Izzy, that you were like thinking of like the specific words, especially because our background as speech language pathologists is like we were like looking at the words in the language. And then there's also like the sound and the frequency. And I think of some of my students who like I have a, a student who may not respond quite to specific words, but he's highly sensitive to tone of voice. And so it's interesting that like even with languages, we might not understand the words, but tone of voice is pretty universal. Like, you know, when someone is angry, sad, excited, happy, joyful. So it's interesting that like the tone and the vibration is something that everybody understands. Mm. Have you ever worked with sound with your students? I do affirmations sometimes. Um, and I'm trying to think. And I've worked with some like voice clients who um they might have some issues with um like their vocal cord disorders or things like that, but not specifically. I don't know. Izzy, what about you? Can you think of any? No, I can't think of anything. It'd be something great to to consider doing. Yeah. I'm just thinking right now, how amazing is it that we all individually have our own tone and our own voice and our own vibration? Like, mm -hmm. you know, the mouth can only be like structured in so many like different ways, yet millions of different voices in the world, billions of different yeah. voices. It's like our own unique blueprint. Powerful. This was an interesting question. I was writing up our outline and I was thinking back to when I was in college and I was taking classes on American Sign Language and my professor was deaf and he incorporated so many lessons and education for me and my classmates who we were all hearing. Um, but he just gave us so much education on deaf culture and so many things that we just were not even aware of. Um, and so I wanted to ask if sound healing is also beneficial for people who are deaf or hard of hearing? I love this question so much. When you first shared it with me, I was like, oh my goodness, there's so much to talk about here. And so I can only speak from my experience because this isn't a um, an area where I have a lot of experience specifically on a more medical side, because that's not what I do. First and foremost, uh, sound therapy, different from what I do, is one of the things that is used to help people who are hard of hearing or um, are living being deaf. Uh, so that's one side of it that I really can't touch on or speak about, but they use sound and vibration to help people hear certain tones or pitches. Now, on the side of where I work with people who are uh, hard of hearing or deaf, what happens is sound again is vibration sound itself is silent so every sound that we hear we are not actually hearing the sound we are hearing the vibration now if someone can't hear that hear the tone or the pitch they are still hearing vibration they are also hearing beyond their ears be beyond what is being fed in through the ear, going through those the three smallest bones in the ear, then traveling down the auditory nerve. There is so much happening that is beyond that. So someone who was deaf, I'm thinking about one experience in particular. I was doing a group sound healing and there was a woman there who was 100% deaf, couldn't hear. She had one of the most profound experiences because she, she couldn't hear what was happening but she was hearing on a different level because she could feel the vibration. So even when you're not quote unquote hearing, you can, you can feel in order to hear. I think of like Beethoven, how he had to feel the vibration or he would put his ear to the piano in order to feel the vibration and how that sounded and how that moved. So that can be uncomfortable to sit with, uh, but it can be profoundly healing. So all that healing is still happening. However, it's just not happening um, in a way that everyone else in the room may be experiencing it. 
That's a really good question and something that's super important for me to keep in mind as a speech language pathologist and also as a godmother and an auntie to a hard of hearing baby boy. So I'd love to know how can sound healing improve connections between people and their communities and collectively? Yeah. So I believe the answer I have for this would be the same answer to one of the the questions that was asked previously. And again, it comes down to listening. The foundation of sound healing is listening. It happens by listening, whether it's with the ears, with the body, with a knowing. I said it before, how often do we act like we're listening to someone and not really listen? Um, to be able to listen to someone fully, to be able to hear their perspective on something without judgment, that is sound healing. That is being present. And in that presence, in that communication, you're also helping yourself move through whatever preconceived notion, judgment, or experience you might have. Doesn't mean you have to change what you believe, but sound healing makes you a better listener. It helps you connect to people on a much deeper level. It helps you connect without judgment. It can help you show up in community in a different way. If more people listened without having to share their thoughts or their opinions, and they were just able to hold the space for someone to be heard, I think we would be living in a much healthier society. But that's not the society we live in. But we can start by just listening to the people who are around us, to take more time to be conscious of how we're listening um, in our in our interpersonal relationships, listening to the people that we just meet. It's powerful and you really have no option to other than to listen when you start working with sound and vibration. Something I always come back to is we can close our eyes, but we can't close our ears. We're always, always listening, but how much of that is conscious and how much of it is unconscious. And we just need a more conscious collective, that's for sure. Definitely. And I will definitely say that since I started doing the sound healing, I 100% became much more present in the things that I was hearing. And so for many years before that, um, before I started trying to just overall get be more present in my body with all five of my senses. Um, but yeah, and the type of ADHD I have, I have the much more inattentive mm -hmm. um, type. So I will tune things out and almost be able to just block out any kind of sound if it's not specifically what I want to focus on. And since I started doing sound healing, I would notice like, oh, I can hear like the birds chirping as I'm walking outside. Like when was the last time I took the time to stop and listen to the birds chirping or even like doing the dishes and listening to like the water and the soap, like run down the drain and thinking like, wow, that sounds so beautiful. Like why have, why have I never noticed that before? That's such a beautiful sound. Um, and definitely helping to be a more present listener because of that. Um, and that is something that I personally struggle with. And I think a lot of people with ADHD struggle with that as well of, um, of just like actively listening and processing what the other person is saying without having to jump in. Um, so yeah, I, I can definitely attest to all of that. Um, and another thing was when we had the group session, I remember looking around the room and there were so many people there thinking like, wow, I just had such a deep, rich experience with my inner world. And I'm looking around at everybody else and I'm like, I wonder what everybody else was seeing and and hearing and processing and thinking about like it was kind of eye-opening to think like every single person has this like super rich inner monologue and inner world that they're living with every day that we don't really get to see except from the people that we're very very close to so yeah it's interesting and um, I remember the first time we worked together in one-on-one -on -one, one of the things I said to you was, "Wow, you could like you can really you can really hear like you you just need to like open it like you're very like very clear clear audience, 
and you just need to like listen to that more. So it's really great to hear that you're starting to notice those little uh, sounds that we so often ignore mm-hmm. or or don't pay attention to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember you saying that. Yeah, yeah. it was very powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so beautiful. I'm all about the like full embodiment, and I always think of like the sensations, but. I haven't like put too much thought into like the auditory yet of like how like I'm just gonna say like sexy it could be to like hear the water going. It's just like oh my god, yes, what a juicy like. And I say sexy to mean like it's just very alive. Um, and I was gonna say, and I, I'm just speaking on like a couple people's experience, but um, like my dad and like you know another man in his like 70s that I know when they got hearing aids, they were like oh my God, like I can hear the grass crunch beneath my feet. And my dad, like I was just home the other week and he's like, I can hear the aquarium bubbling when I put these in. I'm like, dad, we can all hear it. Like, Mm -hmm. so it's like, I'm sure there's so much to it. Like the, how your perception changes and your brain changes when you're not hearing those sounds for so long. And then it can genuinely be uncomfortable, but it almost like when you were talking SD, it almost makes me think like we're like we're kind of uncomfortable hearing all those things like and I'm sure you can speak to that Rebecca you had a lot of discomfort when you hear certain sounds so I don't know it's just kind of interesting yeah it's fascinating to me too and how like the brain is so powerful in itself to be able to just stop hearing certain things one thing that I've like I try to incorporate into my day to my day every day is having gratitude for one particular sound. And it has to be a new sound every single day. So a few days ago, it was literally listening to the bubbles in my sparkling water, um, listening to one particular bird that I could hear, listening to the sound of my stomach gargle when I was digesting food, like trying to just express my gratitude for even the sounds that I once hated and being so lucky to have the ability to hear them. Because like you said, sound is sexy. Sound is something like, it is so tantric and it is so alive. It is so alive, but we don't, we rely so much on our eyes that we do not tune into that state of listening that is so innate to us. I, I've never heard of anyone else ever doing like a gratitude for auditory stimuli in their daily life. And I think that's like the coolest thing. I highly like, recommend it. Yeah. I feel like that almost goes into our next question of like, how can somebody start healing with sound at home? That feels like one way, like a mindful, playful practice. Yes. Yeah. What else? What else can people do? Oh, there's so many things. So, you know, I think everyone should have instruments like Absolutely. But that's not accessible for many people. So number one, an auditory gratitude practice, the same way like you say your affirmations, you start to believe them, you you grow. This The way you work with an auditory gratitude practice, the more you say it, the more sounds you become aware of, the more conscious you are. Now, there are a couple other ways. Go into your pantry. You probably have dried beans Maybe you have some dried pasta. Maybe you have some rice. I want you to get a jar and I want you to put some of those dry food items into a jar, leave space, make sure that the lid is screwed on super tight. I have definitely um, not screwed the lid on. I've had things go flying everywhere. But what you do is you take this jar full of dry goods, you hold it in your hand, you tune into your body, you notice what it is you need, you set an intention, and you begin to shake this jar around you, and you use it as what would traditionally be like a rattle, and you use that to cleanse and clear and to move the energy throughout your being. And you're just not like shaking it like this. You are moving it. You are experimenting with the different ways you can move it. You may even start to vocalize, huh, like let it go. You may breathe like super heavy while you're doing it, but you're just playing with sound and you're doing this until you feel grounded, until you feel calm, until you feel your intentions start to um, settle within your being. So that would be a second way. And that's something that I do almost every day. Or even if I am, say I find myself in traffic 
and I am getting so frustrated and I can start to feel that like bubbling sensation inside, the first thing I do is like let out a big audible exhale, (sighs) make noises and use that noise to let go. Something I was just thinking of is when we're, when we get hurt or say we stub our toe, we've been conditioned to be quiet when we injure ourselves because we don't want to be loud or be obnoxious or be a burden to someone. So we will stub our toe and we'll stay quiet and we'll be like, oh, I, ow, I hurt my toe. When in actual fact, you want to say, fuck, that really hurt. And I don't know if I'm allowed to say fuck, but sorry, (laughs) I said it. But you just want to say, fuck, that really hurt. And you just maybe want to let out a little scream. So let out the scream. Let it happen because in the wild, an animal gets hurt or injured. What do they do? They shake and they make a noise. As humans, maybe we just shake. We're not really fully releasing because we don't want to make the noise. We don't want to be heard. So that's another way. Another way would be actually allowing yourself to be heard in what you're saying, uh, not filtering yourself. We've all been told we have to filter ourselves. What if you could sit in a room with someone, they didn't say anything, and you just had the floor to say what you needed to say, and that person's just there holding space for you? That's healing with sound. Another way is working with mantra. You can use the Bija mantras. These are seed mantras that correspond to each of your chakras. And you visualize the color of the chakra. You chant the mantra, you chant the mantra, and you start to feel things aligning within you. And that's a beautiful practice to have. You can work with binaural beats easy. That's probably the easiest way is just to play binaural beats. Um, But there's so many different ways. And the number one thing is if you find yourself vocalizing, if you find yourself making sound and you find yourself listening, you're doing it. So cool. I definitely find that even if I'm all alone in my own apartment, I know my windows are shut. Nobody can hear me. Like I'm still awkward about like really letting go with my noises. Like if I'm you know, like dancing or doing something like a yoga practice or just like wanting to like, yeah, vocalize. Like I'm still so awkward with it. I'm comfortable singing, but like those Mm -hmm. more primal sounds or screaming, like so awkward. And it's funny that like the car is such a place to let go, but it kind of is because you just feel alone. But I think even there, I would still hold back and I want to work on that. The car is the best place. And it's so funny too, because we do think we're alone when we're in the car. But have you ever pulled up to a car and the person is belting their little heart out next to you and they think that no one else can hear them, but you hear everything happening? I'm that person who was belting and screaming in the car. One of the most cathartic practices I have is actually screaming in my car. I will scream to let to let shit out. I will drive. I don't care if I'm driving in town, if I am driving on the freeway, if I'm driving in the middle of the if middle of nowhere. I will drive down the street and if I just feel like I need to let go, I will scream bloody murder while I'm driving. I don't care who's next to me. If it's a cop, if it's a random person on the street, I will just scream and let it out because we need to do that at times. We just need to. And it's so helpful. I feel like it, well, it does, it activates our vagus nerve. It drops us out of that sympathetic nervous system and helps us get into that parasympathetic state. That's why humming is so wonderful for you. It does the exact same thing. I did not know that. And I've been really getting into like studying like the vagus nerve and how it can, you know, has such an effect on anxiety and stress and things like that. So that's really interesting. And I feel like lately, like when it comes to work, I'll get these urges to just scream. And it's like, I know that it's like, I have so much energy built up. And it's like, yeah, where can you do that? Even if you're alone in your house, like you don't want your neighbor to freak out. But if you're in your car, you're moving along, like you, you can scream as loud as you want. So I'm going to try that this week. (laughs) Yes. Okay. And you're going to have to tell me how it goes. I will. I will. Good. 
something interesting also, like when I started working with kids again, after working with adults for a long time, the job is like super hard and has so many moments that are just like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Am I doing anything helpful for this child? But I would sing so much in my sessions Mm -hmm. because I like love to sing and it just comes really naturally when you're like working with a two-year-old, right? So, and then I was like, I would leave every day and be like, okay, like if nothing else, I'm putting like a joyous tone out into the world and like, that's gotta be good for something, right? Like, you know, so yeah. Very good, very good. Okay, so our final question, we ask this to everyone. Um, This can be related to sound healing or just your personal perspective, but what do you believe is the key to connection? I love this question. And my answer to this question is one uh, one word that I have shared before. Um, Maybe I'll expand on it. Uh, Listening, 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 listening. And through listening, our ability to communicate consciously that's how we connect. We could be in two different parts of the world, have two different lived experiences, but we can connect through the act of listening to each other. We could have nothing in common, but as long as there is a safe space for you to speak and emote and communicate while one person listens and vice versa, so much good can happen. So much good can happen because there's no malintent. There's just simple listening, deep listening even. Uh, And that's something that we don't practice much. Yeah, I love how that kind of encompasses this entire episode. Absolutely. This was such a cool episode, like for sure. One of my favorites, like- I had so much fun. I like (laughs) so much fun. Yeah, this was so (laughs) awesome. Well, okay. So one thing, um, Rebecca, how can our listeners find you if they want to um, see your content or work with you? Absolutely. So you can find me on Instagram, Healing with Rebecca. And then I'll also give you guys a little like download to share with listeners, which would be three ways to heal with sound at home. Um, and I'll give that to you so they can sign up to get that too. Okay. And then if you're ever interested in getting your very own crystal singing bowls, you're ready to start that journey beyond just using the practices that I shared here or the practices that I share in that download, reach out to me. I help people find their, what I call their bowl mate. Uh, mm-hmm. And so they can start using crystal singing bowls at home in their own rituals and routines. And they're just so beautiful. They're one of a kind. So reach out to me on Instagram, or you can also visit my website, thisconsciousness.com. Perfect. Thank you so much. And we will put all of that in our um, our episode notes as well. Okay. Yeah. Thank you so much. This has been so great. Yeah. Thank you both. Oh my goodness. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of the Key to Connection podcast. You can connect with us on Instagram at the Key to Connection podcast. DM us if you'd like to join in on the conversation or have an idea for our next topic or guest. Tune in on Thursdays for new episodes.